the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, January the 13th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On January 13th, 2021, President Donald Trump was impeached by the U.S. House over the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Ten Republicans joined the Democrats in voting for impeachment. The Senate, of course, acquitted him. Today in 1794, President George Washington approved a measure adding two stars and two stripes to the American flag. That was following the admission of Vermont and Kentucky to the Union. The number of stripes was later reduced to the original 13. Today in 1992, Japan apologized for forcing tens of thousands of Korean women to serve as sex slaves for its soldiers during World War II. They called them comfort women. Today in 2000, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates stepped aside as chief executive, promoted company president Steve Ballmer to the position. Five years ago today, a false alarm that warned of a ballistic missile headed for Hawaii sent the islands into a panic, of course, while people were with people abandoning their cars on the highway, preparing to flee their homes. Officials came out moments later and apologized. They said, we're so sorry. The alert was sent when someone hit the wrong button during a shift change. Don't think about that too long. Someone hit the wrong button during a shift change. One year ago today, the Supreme Court found that the Biden administration had overstepped its authority by requiring that employees at large businesses get a COVID-19 vaccine or test regularly and wear a mask on the job. But thou, O Lord, the psalmist wrote, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. There are a thousand reasons why our head could drop and our spirits with it in today's world. Our world today is truly screwed up. It is upside down in so many ways. And yet there is a God in heaven who created all things the furthest star that we've been able to see through our telescopes and all of our paraphernalia that we've created was created by Almighty God. He is our shield. He is our glory. And he is the lifter of my head. Be encouraged. We talk about things on this program that are negative. I mean, they just are. They're awful. Uh... That's what's going on in our culture. I wish I could talk about the blessings and the things that we see and how leadership is taking, (laughs) being leaders. But that's not where we are right now. I'm optimistic. I think things can get better. But overall, 
the Bible tells us that in the last days, and I do believe we're living in the last days, things will get worse. They will until they really get better. Christ himself will return. I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I believe that the Lord has led us to try to be as informed as we possibly can so that we can be the best salt and light for him and for his kingdom that we can possibly be. So let's talk about what's happening in our culture today. You know, most cover-ups occur after a scandal breaks. They wait till people find out about it, and then they scurry around trying to cover it up. But in the case of this discovered classified documents in President Biden's home, and this thing is still going. I mean, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. They now know that there are documents in his home, in his office, and in a garage next to his Corvette. That occurred early on, long before the midterm election. But the White House learned of the secret documents stored in Biden's office at home and kept it a secret from the public until after the election. I don't think we need an explanation on that. We understand that. Now it's too late to tilt the election, but the scandal could affect Biden's decision whether to run for a second term and raises a number of troubling questions. In fact, it raises some amusing questions as well. Will Biden announce his campaign for re-election now with this scandal red hot? And it's growing. It's it's gotten out from under the the secular media that wants to cover it up. I, I mean, it's it's gotten away from them. It's bigger than they are. And so they're starting to report on it now. The, the Washington Post wrote an article today that is a mile long on uh, everything you should know about the documents found in Biden's possession. And the whole thing is an apologetic about how don't, you know, don't jump to conclusions on this. The president didn't know and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's it's a lie from one end to the other. Honestly, it is. But it's a, a huge attempt by the Washington Post. That's, you know, Bezos paper um, trying to cover for the president. I mean, there is no cover. The average person knows that this is not a good thing. And they're trying, of course, they're linking to Trump and they say, well, Trump had more documents than Biden. In fact, the Washington Post goes into a long uh, part of their long story, and it is long, uh, saying, well, by count, Biden had whatever the number is, I don't know, so many documents, and President Trump had so many documents, and Trump had more documents than Biden. And so we little people who are stupid are supposed to say, oh, well, Trump is worse than Biden then, so we should vote for Biden because he's the he's the lesser of two evils, and on and on it goes. It's just pathetic. But was this leak of this investigation into Biden's classified documents timed to keep Biden from running? I mean, could it have been timed by Democrats who certainly don't want a Republican in the White House, but they maybe don't want Biden? I don't know. I'm just saying it raises a lot of interesting questions. Some of them are a little amusing. Some of them are concerning. But there's no doubt that the Department of Justice and the White House played politics with this. There's no question about that. That we can see very clearly. They waited months to disclose the discovery of the documents. Now we're supposed to believe the White House will play it straight with the public. The embattled White House insists it's being totally truthful and transparent, of course, 
The White House has been so transparent that they waited until after the midterm elections to disclose that the secret documents were even found. Can you imagine anyone doing that for a Donald Trump or even a George Bush or whatever, any Republican? The FBI, meanwhile, is left to believe that Biden, Biden, and his documents are the only secret documents that the former vice president took. This is it. There's no more. Well, they said that when they found the first cache of them in this, in that policy office that University of Pennsylvania opened for him with a $54 million donation from China. That's like the police believing a meth dealer who says the only meth he's ever cooked was in his garage, and this is it. It's a one-time thing, and he's a dealer. That's a harsh illustration, but it's true. Those explanations won't fly anymore. The public is too cynical. They've seen this kind of behavior for too many times for too long. I don't think they're going to buy this. I believe the Republicans will ask the tough questions, and I I believe they'll demand answers about the discovery of the secret documents at Biden's home and garage and elsewhere in his home and, and in the office. I think Republicans will point out the hypocrisy of the media and the FBI treating the secret documents found in Trump's home as a criminal matter while trying to give Biden a free pass. As I said earlier, they've been forced into having to do something about this because they were just quietly sitting by. And all these guys knew in the top agencies, they knew that those documents were there. They just didn't want you to know until after the midterm elections. And we didn't know. Some of the excuses that they're making now shows the desperation of the left. They're laughable. There, is, there are some stories that I've read this morning, earlier, that are saying that all of this has been cooked up by the Republicans to try to undermine the support of President Biden. Are they saying that Republicans got in their Corvette and drove to Biden's house and the University of Pennsylvania put these documents there? That's kind of what they're implying. That's how desperate they are. I mean, there are no excuses for this. I read one story this morning that says it could have been a packing mistake. You know how movers are when they come in and pack stuff and they just throw it in a box and zip it up and get ready to put it on the big, you know, van line or whatever. Yeah, it was that's what happened. Th- these pesky movers just threw all these classified documents of the United States government into these movie boxes, took them to took them to Joe Biden's house and placed them there. There's a story out there that's saying that this morning. You know, things get thrown in by mistake. These blue-collar packers, they don't know about that, so it's not their fault. The Washington Post also says this morning, they quote Attorney General Garland, He says, I am confident that Mr. Herr will carry out his responsibility in an even-handed and urgent manner and in accordance with the highest traditions of this department. Mr. Herr will be uh, carrying on this uh, investigation. Garland made that statement that he turned and walked away from the press because he didn't want to answer any questions. The special counsel, uh, Robert Herr, was appointed yesterday 
by the Attorney General Merrick Garland. He's the guy that's going to probe the President Joe Biden's mishandling of the classified information. He was among those at the Justice Department. I don't know a lot about him, but there are people who think he might be honest in his investigation. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, I know I know he's a smart guy. I know he's an Asian. I know he has been on. He's knowing a lot of stuff that was going on. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, he's been appointed by Merritt, Gar- Merritt Garland. And I, I, I think Merritt Garland is not on the, on the up and up. And I personally think that I can't see where he would appoint someone that would not be favorable to Joe Biden. I can't see that. But perhaps, I don't know. We'll see as this whole thing plays out. But one thing I do know is that uh, Garland... Uh, uh, appointed him for some motive. I mean, he had a motive for doing it. It wasn't just like, well, he's the next guy up on the list, so you know, he's chosen. It was much more thought out than that. And I don't think Garland was trying to... I, I would like to think that Garland wanted to just have an honest investigation. I find it really difficult, and this is just me, but I find it really difficult after watching these guys closely for years. I find it very difficult to believe that they're just simply seeking justice. I wish they were. I want to believe that. I just don't believe it at this point. I believe there are some that are, but I don't know about these players. Anyway, according to a Justice Department document, her is a former DOJ official. He handled, participated in, or had personal knowledge of the FBI's relationship and communications with Christopher Steele. That's the guy who authored that infamous dossier that the, that the Democrats tried Trump for for two years or more and then finally had to admit there was no Russian connection. It was simply a Russian hoax. Well, this her, this guy that's been appointed, was very knowledgeable and kind of in the middle of all of that as far as information. I don't know that he was making the decisions on what to do about the information, but he was very aware of the information. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I was not surprised, but I, it certainly caught my attention when a Democrat congresswoman misused a Bible verse this week to justify her vote against a bill that would protect babies born alive after botched abortions. Yeah, she was talking about how she believes in the sanctity of life. She gave her testimony on the floor. This is on the record in the United States House of Representatives. She said, she said, I am a Christian. I am a pro-choice Christian. And that caught my attention, of course. So before a vote on this Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, I talked about this this week. Before she cast her vote in the House of Representatives, this Representative Hillary uh, Scholten, I think that's how you pronounce her name. I checked into it and found a couple of different pronunciations, but Scholten seems to be how you pronounce it. And I, I wasn't aware of her before. She's a Democrat from Michigan. She cited Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, to claim that government should not be able to make laws surrounding a woman's ability to choose to end the life of her unborn child. She said, I am a pro-choice Christian. 
uh, this Greg Price, who writes for various uh, news sources, he um, he posted on Twitter a, a video of her uh, off C-SPAN of her making this speech. I captured I got it yesterday and I included it in an article that I wrote today. And so you can see her and you can watch that part of her speech. It's, it's a minute and 17 seconds for those of you who read our um, our article every day that we publish. It's read by many, in fact, in many countries. And so you can go there and check that out if you want to. It's at faithandfreedom.us. But any, anyway, she says, I also included the text of what she said in the article today. And here's what she said on the House floor before she voted against protecting babies who are born alive in a botched abortion. This is what she had to say. She said, I'm the first mother in history to represent West Michigan in Congress. This matter is deeply personal to me. I recently shared publicly about my own experience navigating a complex miscarriage and the loss of my daughter. As a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. End of quote for the moment. Biblical teaching did not dictate this entire nation's policy in its founding. It indeed did. Daniel Webster, a leading second-generation American statesman, and I quote him often on this program, he said, quote, Let us not forget the re- religious character of our origin. Our forefathers were brought here by the high veneration for the Christian religion. They sought to incorporate its principles with the elements of their society and to infuse its influence through all their institutions, civil, political, and literary. I'm quoting a second-generation American. He grew up under these guys' leadership and then became one of our most, um, probably most skilled statesmen in the history of our country. I mean, he was. He, there's a, a full-size statue of him in the in the uh, Capitol building in D.C. So she continues. I mean, she's way off on that. So she continues. And further, when I read this scripture, I'm quoting her again, I turn to passages, and I'm guided by passages like Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, which states, I knew you before you before I formed you and placed you in your mother's womb. It doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. It says the mother's womb. Schulten then stated that while she believes life is precious, She rejects the idea that if I embrace the sanctity of life, I also must be forced to invite the federal government in to regulate it. She needs to she needs to 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 read Romans about government. I mean, this woman leads this country. And she seemed she sounded very sincere. I think I think she believes this. I don't think she was lying. And that's even more concerning. I think she really believes this stuff about the Bible tells me so, that I should support abortion. And I should support the idea by voting against a bill that will force doctors to give care to a child who's actually born alive because the abortionist didn't do his job as well as he should have and killed the baby before it came out of the womb. I mean, that's what she's saying. And she's saying, I believe this because the Bible tells me so. 
boy, if you're driving down the road one of these days and you're just thinking, man, how did America get to this place? This is how. This person, I don't mean to be critical of her. I mean, she sounds kind of half sincere. As I said, I think she believes this. That's the scary part of it. She says, (laughs) she says, life is precious. But I also am not going to be forced to invite the federal government in to regulate it. She's picked up on bits and pieces that Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and others are saying. She concluded, she said, we must protect families from unnecessary government intrusion. No, we don't. We need to, we need to protect families from the scalpel and the, and the suture of the abortionist. It's wrong before God to kill unwanted babies. It was wrong in the Old Testament, and it's wrong today. Thou shalt not commit murder. How do they do this? They do it because they're uninformed. They do it because we have allowed a society to grow up around us that is all messed up. We take bits and pieces of the Bible and bits and pieces of Eastern mysticism and we come up with kind of a New Age Christianity. Oprah is famous for that and others. She's not the only one, but high-profile so-called Christians are force-feeding this, and she's been doing it for a long time, and there are others, but they're force-feeding America with the idea that Christianity is something somewhere between Shintoism and New Age craziness. The decision to kill an unwanted child is not a sacred decision. It's a barbaric act informed by a faith that is not biblically based. Abortion is a decision made by a very uninformed Christian, if she is indeed a Christian. She says she is. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, is very clear about what God thinks about abortion. Thou shalt not kill. Man, even I can understand that. It's short, it's to the point. Thou shalt not kill. See, we're we're addressing the wrong issues. We're bypassing the thou shalt not kill part, and we're getting to the, well, I mean, I can't, put the government in charge of life because I believe in the sanctity of life. Well, God says that he's ordained government to enforce the laws and create some kind of some kind of continuity in government. If you want to be real blunt about it, and that's why we work to change government. That's why we work in this lifetime We work to make our government submissive and reflective of the truth of God's word, just like our founders did. How did that work out? It worked out very well. America became the most blessed, the most free, the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. On those principles that I mentioned a little while ago and quoted uh, Daniel Webster, that wasn't an isolated comment. Everything those people wrote and talked about that's recorded at one point or another, gets around to talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patrick Henry made it clear. He said, we're not just a Christian. We're not just a religious nation. We're a Christian nation. I mean, that's where these guys were coming from. They created this place. And now all of a sudden, we're throwing all this away, and we're saying, nope, nope, we, we, we're different now. We, we want a different country. 
and we're getting it. And that's the problem. American laws were framed from biblical morality. She made no mention of the fact that the government legislates many issues having to do with life and death, including outlawing murder, and in most sane states, not Washington and Oregon, but most sane states, they also legislate against assisted suicide. As I said, American laws were framed for biblical morality. She says, my faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. Her faith may inform her actions, but her faith is not informed by the Bible. To be clear, scripture, the scripture she quotes, Jeremiah 1.5, is one of the strongest pro-life verses in the Bible. It confirms that the unborn child is not a fetal mass, as we were told and our children were taught for years, but it's a fact, in fact, a living human being. Now we can see the pictures thankfully, of the child in the womb. It's a wonderful thing. It, it further affirms that God, our creator, knows that individual and by name in advance and has a plan for that individual's life. That's the strongest pro-life you, statement you can make. God knows you when you're conceived in your mother's womb. In this case, young Jeremiah God had called him to be a prophet to the nations, but God says, I have a plan for you and a purpose for your life. And that's not an abstract. He's talking about you, like you and me, today in 2023. That's what this is about. And she says that's her basis for voting, that doctors don't have to take care of a child when it's born on the on the abortion table and they didn't get its life before it was born. This verse shows that God's sovereignty and omniscience it reveals that God has a plan for every life before that person is even born. We serve a God who rules and reigns over the entire universe. He created everything that exists. And it's so easy its so easy to believe that because the truth just supports itself. When we can get past our rebelliousness and our ignorance and our blindness, blinded, by the vain philosophies of this world. Her argument is that because she's very caring and compassionate, she sounds like she is. But she's also self-righteous. And she's inherited that from some of her leaders, like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and others. Senator, then Vice President, now President Joe Biden, made the same hollow, unbiblical, self-righteous uh, uh, argument. So did Nancy Pelosi. They were saying, essentially, I'm very fair and I'm a very righteous person. Look at me, I'm righteous. So much so that I will never force you by law not to kill your unwanted child. They even have a new label for pro-life believers now. It's called forced birth. And they're starting to use that all the time. The Bible teaches against abortion for any cause. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 9 and 10 says, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, Makest what makest thou? Or thy work? He hath no hands. The clay is arguing with the potter. Verse 10 says, Woe unto him that saith to his father, what begettest thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? 
Taking a stand against our Creator is popular today. The LGBTQ agenda does that on the premise that Creator God made a mistake. Oh, he put you in the wrong body. I'm out of time. We'll see you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.